episode 246, J.M. Ryerson, CEO of Let's Go Win. I am a professional failer, as in I love failing, and I learn way more by failing all the time. I'm Mark Rabin. This is my favorite mistake. In this podcast, you'll hear business leaders and other really interesting people talking about their favorite mistakes. Because we all make mistakes, but what matters is learning from our mistakes instead of repeating them over and over again. So this is the place for honest reflection and conversation, personal growth and professional success. Visit our website at myfavoritemistakepodcast.com. To learn more about JM, his company, his podcast, his books, and more, look for links in the show notes or go to markgraven.com slash mistake246. As always, thanks for taking time to listen. And now on with the show. Well, hi, everybody. Welcome back to My Favorite Mistake. I'm Mark Raven. Our guest today is J.M. Ryerson. He's an author, leadership and performance coach, an international speaker, and the host of a podcast called Let's Go Win. He is uh, the co-founder and CEO of a company of that same name, Let's Go Win. J.M. founded and sold three businesses. He's now helping leadership teams um, succeed. He's the best-selling author of the books Let's Go Win, Champions Daily Playbook, and his latest book, Upgrade. So JM has been building companies and leading sales teams um, for over 20 years. So JM, thank you for joining us here today. How are you? Brother, I'm great. And thanks for having me, man. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, We had a great conversation prior. So this is going to be a lot of fun, man. Yeah, no mistake to have you here. I don't think you'll uh, find it. A mistake to be here either. I'm looking forward to uh, having a chance to continue the conversation uh, on your show, on your home court, um, if you will. Um, it, so one quick question, though, um, in terms of getting to know you a little bit better. What were those three businesses? Like what industry, what types of businesses were those? Yeah, I was in the financial service world. And what I quickly realized, Mark, is I don't really have a lot of knowledge when it comes to financial services, nor am I passionate about it. What I am passionate about is leadership and building teams. And I figured that out pretty early in my career. And that's where I focused my time. So if you have any financial questions, please don't ask me because I'm just going to refer you to someone else. Uh, but what I did learn is I, I, I figured out what I really enjoyed doing, what I was good at. And maybe more importantly, what I didn't like. So, uh, but it was a cool ride and, and built some some cool companies with some good people. All right. So we will talk about leadership. I will not make the mistake of peppering you with <laughs> finance questions. And I hope I didn't step on your favorite mistake story. I feel like we got a little bit of a, a mini mistake, bonus mistake there. Not many, but bonus mistake, uh, mini story. So, you know, JM, the different things you've done, the different things you you continue to do, I'll throw the main question at you here now. Um, you know, what would you say is your favorite mistake? Yeah, it's it was funny. When I first got this, I was like, man, what is that? And there's no question. It was when I moved to California from Montana. Uh, I graduated college and my brother graduated high school, took a vacation down to... Uh, we, I have an uncle in Northern California. Then we did Southern California, Lake Havasu. And on the way back, I decided to crash on my uncle's couch in Northern California. And I never left. So literally moved with a backpack and my truck. And it was a place that I never expected to move. I would say it was never on my radar. And it ended up completely being one of the greatest decisions I've ever made. 
And I guess my favorite mistake. And it's funny, I'd never thought of it necessarily that way, but it truly, my life is forever altered in in an amazing way because of that mistake of leaving my favorite place, which is Montana, to go to California, which wasn't my ideal spot. Um, but I met my wife and my my kids and so many great things came from that mistake. Mm. I mean, did it feel when you say it was both the greatest decision and a favorite mistake? I mean, was there a period maybe before you got settled, established, building companies? I mean, did it feel like a mistake at, at, at some point or what, what was that balance and kind of thinking back to how, to how you felt about that over time? Yeah, for I would say almost a decade, Mark, I literally talked about how I was going back home. I was going back to Montana. And one of the things that I I regretfully say that I didn't embrace everything that I had in California, because look, everywhere you live, there's going to be really positive and there's going to be some drawbacks. And that's everywhere. I don't care if it's Montana or California or I live in Florida now. But I focused in the beginning so much on what I didn't love about it instead of embracing some of the things that I had at my disposal, starting these companies, meeting my wife. And so it was it was one of the best lessons I've learned and that I really try to always look for the positive, for the amazing things that are at each place that we go to or each relationship that we have. And it's one of those ideas that I coach on now, whatever you focus on expands. And there was a period where I focus on just the negative side. And it's funny because if you know me now, that sounds crazy because everything I look at is full and, you know, optimistic. And I always look at it, but there was a period of time where I really didn't embrace Mm. some of the, 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 what California had to offer. Did you get some uh, you know, I don't know, coaching or mentoring around some of that mindset? Was it your uncle? Was it others in business? Or did you kind of coach yourself through some of that to start seeing the positive? That's a good question. I think ultimately what happened is when my wife and I had married and we had um, our two kids at the time and they, I mean, now I still only have two kids, but we had our two kiddos and they were really young. And I was hit basically rock bottom where my business was crushing, like from the outside looking in, you know, I'm making seven figures plus a year and, and, you know, the family looks good. But the truth is I was separated from my wife for a year. I was overweight and really unhealthy in terms of physically at a very young age. And I think that's when I finally said, all right, enough is enough. There's clearly where I need to look in the mirror and see what's what's really broken. And it wasn't the outside. It was it was inside. It was the way I was approaching it. So everything looks so good. Business is crushing it. Right. But the truth was it was a mess. And my wife and I, the love of my life, were separated. And I only had my kids 50 percent of the time. And if you know me, that doesn't work, man. That that is not OK. And that's when I finally said, you know what, let's really start living and embracing all the beauty that life has to offer. And it's been that way for quite some time now. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear that, that things got back um, on that path. Um, thank you for sharing, you know, all of that. Um, you know, Jam, I, I'd be curious, you know, tell us, you know, you, you, you alluded to this, you know, maybe we can dig a little deeper, you know, when I asked about, well, what were the three businesses that, that you launched and sold. Would you tell us a little bit of the the origin, even of that first business? I'd be curious, sort of the you know the the what and the why and and the how. 
Yeah. So I started working for Enterprise Rent-A-Car right out of, out of college. And I did that for about three years. That's where I met my wife. She also worked there. And there was a point in time where I decided I didn't love being told how, when I had to be somewhere, how much money I could make. That didn't work for me. So I knew it was time for me to move on. When I met my soon-to-be business partner, when he hired me, he basically said two things. He's like, look, you can... you." You don't have to work on Fridays. You can go golf and there's no limit to how much money you can make. Well, I couldn't sign up quick enough. I mean, this sounds amazing. And so I went into financial services right out of the gate with with life insurance, some annuities. And I was actually very solid at sales. And I jokingly say I don't know anything about uh, financial services, but I know just enough to be dangerous. And what I realized is this, his name is Rich. He was the you know, business partner for 17 years, three companies that we did together. And I looked at him, I said, brother, why aren't you doing this all across the nation? He said, well, I don't know. Why do I need to? I was like, because you can. And so we went from being that one office in Northern California. I said, let me go show you. And I went and opened up uh, the first remote location in Portland, Oregon, And from there, he's like, oh, cool, we could do this. And so we just started building offices around the country. And so, uh, yeah, man, I just, I figured out early on that this is just distribution. This is a great product. It's a great process. You can do it anywhere. And so that really launched my entrepreneurial career where it's like, not only am I, okay, I was good at sales, but that wasn't what I want to do. I love building teams. I'm passionate about it. And I found out that I'm pretty decent at it. So, yeah, and and we did that with one company. Then we merged with another to create a nationwide. And then uh, for a third time, we created another one. So it was just a fun ride, man. And and we helped a lot of people, you know, for for 20 years in that world. We helped a lot of people, you know, improve their lifestyle. Yeah. All right. So it's a mistake for any of us to to believe JM when he says he doesn't know anything about the financial piece. It sounds like you just don't want to ask or you don't want to answer a lot of questions about it. So, right. I'm we'll just say. not the best resource. There's so many smart people that are much brighter in that regard. Yeah. So how, how long did it take them through those other businesses to really kind of, um, you know, zero in then on that passion as you described it for, for building teams, you know, you had these different companies and imagine there were similarities, but different things that you learned through each of those, would you say? Yeah, I think after that period, what I, you know, where I really started to embrace who I was and my wife and my relationship got whole, that's when I really honed in on the fact that I love working with teams and performance and leadership and mindset. Um, you know, in the first company, I was actually our CFO because we were a small company and I'm not an accountant by any means. I'm that's not the right guy. But as many entrepreneurs, when you're new in business, sometimes you wear many hats. And in the second company, I was actually COO in the beginning, which I was really doing operations. And while I can do that, it doesn't fill my bucket. And once I really dug deep, did a lot of personal development, self-development and figured out what do you love to do? I love teams. I love performance. I love building the teams. That's where my career absolutely took off. And what I will say, Mark, that what I realized is how much more fulfilled I was every single day. I wasn't just making good money but I and helping people. I was actually filling my bucket because 
Now I'm recruiting other leaders and and really working on their leadership development. And it's just something I'm passionate about. So yeah, about a company and a half, it took me to figure out my spot. But once I did, it's I haven't looked back since. Yeah. So the fourth company, Let's Go Win. I'd love to hear some of the, the origin story of deciding to go that direction and, and, and how that came to be. Yeah, it's uh, it somewhat haphazardly happened. And I say that because the first book, Let's Go Win, I actually wrote for the two my two boys. And I wanted them to not skin their knees as many times as, as I did growing up, as in most parents, you want what's best for them. And I was writing this book and the gal I was working with looked at me and she goes, man, you are selfish. And I said, whoa, I, I'm sorry. She said, if you only share this book with two human beings, you're selfish. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. Published the book. And it just started me on this path of what Let's Go Win is, which the entire purpose is to inspire people to live their best lives. And that's been a couple of books now that I've I've done. And then the podcast, which I can't wait to have you on. I'm passionate about podcasts. I think it's an amazing forum. And then, of course, the speaking and, and working with the various companies around the, the country that I work with. And it's just, you know, it keeps evolving. It keeps changing. And, and the one thing I committed to with this company, and this sounds funny. Most people are like, I don't get it. I won't do anything I don't absolutely love doing. And what I mean by that is, do I have to do emails that I don't love? Yeah, of course, everyone has to. But if I'm building something and it's not working or I don't enjoy it, I don't see the value, I'm going to stop. Because I've noticed, I'm really clear on the fact that I'm not on this earth very long. And I want to inspire others to live their best life. That's what fills my bucket way more than any zeros added to my bank account. When I get to work with somebody, they're like, you transform my life. You changed my life. There's nothing greater in this world. And so Let's Go Win has just continued to evolve that way where whether it's doing speaking gigs or doing the podcast, the whole idea is I'm going to give everything I have and we're going to transform some lives in the process. People are going to get better every day, which is the mantra of Let's Go Win. So that's that's what we're you know, on this that's our purpose is let's yeah. go win is to help people get better every day. Yeah. So we want to win, but whether it's, uh, I don't know, school, you know, stuff kids are going through sports again, that could be kids that could be pro athletes. That could be business leaders. How much of winning is, is based on learning how to bounce back from a loss. Like I'm curious your thoughts or how you coach people in those, in those different categories, kids, business leaders, athletes. Yes. Great question. I am a professional failer, as in I love failing and I learn way more by failing all the time. And so it's funny because with having the terminology of win in your company's name, so people are like, so it's all about wins and no losses. I'm like, not exactly. The whole idea of let's go win is setting yourself up to win every single day. Does that mean you're going to? No, I stub my toe all the time. I make mistakes all the time. And we actually learn far more from our losses than we ever do from our wins, because you have to look in the mirror and you have to look for that feedback. And I've coached, you know, some professional athletes on this concept where it's like, look, you failed. Congratulations. 
that's you're you're literally growing because we don't grow when we're comfortable. We grow when we're uncomfortable. And when you lose, that's not a great feeling. That's pretty uncomfortable. So typically we're in that growing uh, period. So it is it is one of those things where I do have to explain that. Look, that doesn't mean we're going to win every single day. Nobody does. I don't know anybody with an undefeated record, but I know a lot of people that continue to get up. And that's probably the one thing when people ask, why, what makes you successful? I'm like, I don't know how to quit. I literally uh, don't. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know how to quit, man. I just keep going. So what, how, what do you think is a key to help somebody other, somebody else bounce back better to be more resilient after a mistake, a loss, a setback, a failure, however you might label it? You know, there's an amazing book that Simon Sinek wrote called Start With Why. And that that simple three-letter word, why, that's what gets you out of, uh, you know, back off the canvas when you get knocked down, to use a boxing analogy. My kids and my wife are my why. So every single day, if I'm not performing at the top of my level, if I'm not giving 100%, I'm not letting myself down. I'm letting my kids and my wife down. Now, as a parent, as someone that loves those kids with all of my heart, that's not going to happen very long where I'm going to continue to not give 100%. So my why is very clear, and there's nothing that can knock me down so much so that I would ever give up on my wife and kids. It's just nothing exists. So always tying it back to what is your why? Why are you doing this? And if it's just to make money, very few people that I've ever met are that money motivated. And it's interesting when I'm coaching a lot of executives, there's two reasons that they're not truly happy is their relationships are failing or their health is failing. And why I can speak so well to it, because I went through it myself. I had a early thirties was almost 300 pounds. And I'm a former athlete that loves to work out. Like it seems crazy to think that happened, but how fast it is. And Health truly is our wealth. Like without health, you have nothing. And that's tying it back to my why. I work out as actively as I do for my kids, for my wife. So everything ties back to my why. And so when you get knocked down, you can easily go, well, why am I getting back up? Because I can see those three faces. Mm. That's a great reminder. I love the way um, the way you put that and to think through something like exercise of not just doing it for yourself, but doing it for your loved ones. That's a different level of inspiration. But I, I love how you say that. Thank you. No, it's it's an easier way to go about it for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, no. So when it comes to sport, like what sport or sports and at, at what level of competition did you pursue that? I played basketball in college. Um, I played most sports growing up, uh, literally everything basically not, but hockey. It's the one sport I didn't really play. <laughs> the ice skating um, thing is tough. Yeah. <laughs> oof. I, I never found my, 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 my legs on the, on the ice for sure. But yeah, I ended up playing, um, uh, basketball in college. My wife played tennis in college and now we have our son that is about to go play. He's a senior in high school. He'll play tennis in college and, so sports is a huge part of our life. I love sports. I think we learn so much uh, about ourselves, about life. So, um, but pickleball is what I love to play now. Uh, but as I told you, I'm having my shoulder actually replaced. So my pickleball game's not great right now. I'm not playing a whole lot, but just being active. I just, I love being active and, and being competitive. It's just fun. Yeah. Um, 
So you mentioned basketball and, you know, this idea of, um, you know, athletes bouncing back. Nobody wins every game. No one hits every shot. Um, when, uh, you know, heavily favored Milwaukee Bucks were bounced from the playoffs this year. A lot of people would say they underperformed compared to the regular season record. It was an upset that they lost. And um, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and I'm surprised I didn't make a mistake. I think I, I think. I think I, I got through the name there. Um, I won't try again. We'll just say Giannis, um, one of the best basketball players in the world. And, you know, he was asked by a reporter, um, do you consider this to be a failure? And you probably know the quote, and I would hear, I'd love to hear your reaction or thoughts to it. Giannis said, it's not a failure. It's steps to success. And it's so I did a video on that. And yeah. by the way, great job saying his name. I was never going for that but yes Giannis um I immediately did a video on that because I thought it was amazing a how vulnerable he was willing to be and just say look we didn't get it done he didn't make excuses we just didn't get it done but that doesn't mean it was a failure it was a learning block it was something and that's truly having a growth mindset you know that Giannis is going to succeed not only in his basketball career because he's a freak athlete yeah. But also in life because of that mentality. And most people forget when when he was trying to win that championship, he was having a real mindset issue. He couldn't hit free throws. And if you watch, he continued to put in the work. He didn't cry about it. He didn't make mistakes about it, or excuse me, uh, excuses about it. He literally said, look, I need to get better. And I just thought it was, I, I love that you brought this up because I shared this immediately with all my social media. Like, this is truly a man that knows who he is, knows that he is going to win another championship or 10, who knows how many. He's he's ridiculously, not only talented, but he works so hard. And I thought it was a really, really cool moment from the sports world for people to say, Look, this is the top of the top, and he's showing you, yeah, we failed, no excuses, but we learned from it. Yeah. And, I mean, you know, there's no sugarcoating the fact that they lost a game, they lost a series, their season was over. But then that word failure, like that becomes a a fairly subjective evaluation. And what happened happened. And, you know, one of my takeaways from it was just, you know, admiring that focus on on moving forward. And I had a, a friend of mine on the podcast uh, a while back now was retired NFL uh, football player. And he used that exact same phrase when we were talking like what you make a mistake as an athlete, millions of people see it. What do you do? And, you know, he used that phrase stepping stones to success. It's a powerful idea of, of not beating yourself up, not dwelling on the setback, but, but focusing on the, on the learning. So let me, let me turn that back to you though, as a question, let's say for a business leader thoughts on, on, on coaching somebody, Maybe easier said than done of like, at what point do you put the setback in the past to be able to focus on moving forward? Yeah. So you have to stay in the present moment, whatever happened in the past, unless you know of a time machine, you can't go back and change it. So any amount of time you dwell on what happened, it's just wasted energy. And so I have a saying, I've taken what Lao Tzu said, and I just simplified it. Past is pain, future is anxiety, present is everything. Now, does that mean everything in the past is painful? No, Giannis has won a championship. Those are great memories. 
But if you're constantly sitting in the past, if he's kept looking back, he what is he telling himself about his present moment? He's saying that it's not as good now as it was back then. That's pain. And if we constantly are just looking forward, that creates anxiety and people start really feeling anxious. So the more that you can stay in the present moment, learn from whatever mistake or failure that you had, build on it, but get focused in the present moment. It is truly, in my opinion, one of the most important uh, equations to success is being able to truly stay present. That's for relationships. That's for business. That's for anything you're trying to accomplish. If you can stay present, you get to create an amazing reality into your future, but constantly dwelling on mistakes. No, you don't need to do that. What did you do? How can we get better and move forward? And it truly is one of those things when you meet people that have seen a, a you know modicum of success, it's because they're able to stay present. Not that they live in the past, not that they live in the future, but right in this moment, they truly give everything to the present moment. Wow. So our guest uh, again today, J.M. Ryerson, um, we're going to talk about the uh, the present book, I guess, your most recent book, least in the past, uh, Upgrade. Um, the subtitle, I love this, uh, is the only way leaders can win in a world moving at light speed. So I'm, I'm, I always love to, to ask an author, like, you know, coming up with a, a title, coming up with a subtitle, uh, was that easy or did you like sometimes that you ideas percolate for a while? Like how, 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 how'd you come up with the title and the subtitle? So uh, the title was easy for me because people don't love change, but people love to upgrade. And the example I give is like, you go to the airport, they're hey, Mr. Ryerson, we're going to put you in first class. It's a change, <laughs> but I'm fired up, brother. I'm like, yes, I just got upgraded. Right. Um. So I knew that one. The subtitle, I have to give all credit to Steve Carlos is his name. He's uh, from my media firm. He was like, I love the title, but we got to really give what what the purpose of the book is and the truth is the the world is changing incredibly fast and if we're not willing to upgrade if we're not willing to really you know evolve we're going to get left behind and he the, i think he just said it so beautifully and i i was i was writing voraciously and i'm like yes we nailed it upgrade and and that whole idea of it doesn't mean that there's anything wrong or broken with you if you're looking to upgrade, but we can always upgrade. We can always get better. And so that was the whole um, idea of the book. No, there might be something wrong with that economy class seat. It could be a middle seat. It could be. Uh, well, I'm six, five brother. The economy doesn't uh, work very well for me. So first class <laughs> or the exit road, a minimum is, is yeah. pretty important. Right. Right. But I, but I, I, you know, I joke about, um, you know, yeah, what's wrong with those other seats. But I, I do love your point, though, back to the more important thing about recognizing that we can upgrade or we can improve doesn't mean we have to say, well, you know, what, what's wrong with me? We focus on better. And I, I, I think that's a really helpful mindset. And, you know, I, I love the way you put it about, you know, people like to upgrade. There's, a phrase um, I've heard a lot in different businesses. I'm sure you and the listeners have too. Like leaders like to say, you know, people don't like, people are resistant to change or they'll blame my people are resistant to change. Um, using a slightly different word, I've never heard anyone say to your point, people here, they're resistant to improvement. 
Because right, a lot of times that resistance is change that's not an upgrade, and leaders are trying to force people to come along. And well, of course, you know they're they're not going to like that. So I think there's that that layer of not liking change, but I think people don't like to be told what to do. They don't like to be forced to do something that's not an upgrade. Curious, what what are your thoughts on some of that dynamic of of how we can help people find motivation to accept change as an upgrade? Yeah, those leaders that say that, I know what they're saying, but they re- they haven't got buy-in. That's the challenge. If you ask somebody to upgrade or change, let's just use that word, but you don't tell them how it's going to benefit what they're doing, of course they're going to resist. And here's why. The unknown is what people don't like. I'm comfortable here. I know my job. We're We're performing at a decent level. Why would we shift away? The unknown is scary. So as leaders, if you can say, look, here's the upgrade or here's the change that we're doing, but more importantly, back to that why, here's why we're doing it. Here's how it can benefit you. When people see the benefit for themselves, they absolutely will buy in. But if you just say, hey, this is what we're doing and get on board, nobody likes to be told what to do that way, especially if they don't see the value. And now you're, let's say you're increasing um, how many responsibilities they have at their job. But if you say, here's what we're doing and why, okay, cool. I can get on board with that. That's where leaders need to make sure, take that extra time to get the buy-in, show them why we're doing it, and people will follow through. I mean, I think that's key, uh, is taking that extra step. If, if if you're a leader and you're detecting pushback, lack of buy-in, resistance, like you, you can't just label people and stop. You've got to like lean in to kind of understand like what's the concern or how can I, what, how do, how do we get on board? Because um, like you said, it could be the why and the understanding. And then there is, I think, you know, the sphere factor of like, well, I'm comfortable doing it the old way. I, I, the new way sounds better, but I don't, I don't know if I can do it. I mean, how, how, how would you coach a leader through, through that situation around some of the, um, I, I don't mean, you know, these are not irrational fears. I think this is reality of like just change being scary. Yeah. You said something then there that I hope every leader and everybody hears, look, labels are meant for boxes. They're not meant for people. And when we label anybody, anything, it's a mistake. Like stop. And I know we do it as human beings to simplify, like my people are this way. That's just not true. And actually, as leaders, look in the mirror. If your team hasn't really bought into something that you've done, there should be no blame being pointed any other place but in the mirror looking at yourself to say, how could I have rolled this out better? How could I have done a better job of explaining what we're doing? And when you take that true accountability, there's a great book called Extreme Accountability. I I think Leaf and Jocko killed it, where it's like, look. It starts with you. And the f- the faster as a leader, you can say, this is on me. The faster your leadership lid just explodes because people don't want to hear how it's not your fault. Even if it's not, even if something out of the outside, just take, you know what, guys, I didn't foresee that. That's on me. It won't happen again. Here's where we're going. And here's why people can rally behind that but you got to take full responsibility. You cannot be blaming anyone for any challenges. Look in the mirror first. Yeah. Well said. Um, J.M. Ryerson, again, is our guest. Links to his book, podcast, book, 
all of that will be in uh, the show notes. You know, as we start to wrap up here, you know, I know you, there's there's three focus areas that you have in in your coaching: uh, performance, leadership, and mindset. I'd love to hear. Um, I might be making a mistake of asking two questions all intertwined here, but you know, what what is a, a common mindset that you see that that needs upgrading, and and how can somebody better upgrade a mindset instead of being stuck in an old one? Yeah. Carol Dweck wrote an incredible book called Mindset. It's one of my favorites. I give it out like candy in terms of presence because what she did is say, look, there's a fixed mindset and then there's a growth mindset. Mm -hmm. And if at any point you say, I am this and I'm, this is the way I've done it. You're losing. You're actually, you're going the wrong way. Well, there's that label. Sorry to interrupt, but if you're labeling yourself, a hundred percent, that's a problem too, right? Yeah. And it's just ever putting limiting beliefs on yourself or someone else. It's like the beauty of having a growth mindset is to say, look, even if I've never done this before, this is an opportunity. I get to learn. I get to do something brand new. So I don't know if it's a fix. It's really just something every day I look at my bathroom mirror and it says have a growth mindset always. Now, do I always No. there's times when I fail and I have to say, you're having a fixed mindset right now, JM. Let's get better. You can be better than than saying that. I don't know. It usually happens when I'm driving and somebody slow is in the fast lane. That's my fixed mindset where I'm like, I'm going to be a victim right now. No, man. Look, this person just they're in their own world. It's not a big deal. Have a growth mindset about everything. And when you do that, when you truly apply that, there's no problems that we can't find a solution for. And it's probably the biggest thing, Mark, that I try to strive for is just having that growth mindset in every facet of my life. And it's not easy, right? Because genetically, we want to say I'm this way because mom or dad was this way. Or, you know, we we say these things. And again, those are those labels. But the truth is, you get to determine everything in your, you are truly um, responsible for your destiny. And having that growth mindset is going to bring you a really positive one. But if you have a fixed mindset, man, it's it's just a tough road. Yeah. And um, we've got to have a growth mindset about our growth mindset. I mean, I think it's <laughs> key too, right? Um, so, uh, JM, this has been fun. Um, give everyone, um, you know, the, the 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 pitch for the podcast. Listening, people listening to this podcast, I hope they will listen to yours in addition to this one, not instead of. But tell tell us. Uh, why should they go find the Let's Go In podcast? Well, hey, Mark's going to be on. He's going to be awesome. So go check that out. You know what it is, brother? I, uh, the first chapter of my book, Let's Go Win, is being vulnerable. And there's no subject that is taboo on my show. And we get vulnerable. We talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly. And there's nothing off you know, that that we can't talk about. And so the whole idea is to inspire people to live their best lives. So that's why I love that form. I have been so blessed by podcasts, both meeting people like yourself and, and others that inspire me. And that's really what Let's Go In Podcast is all about, is just inspiring people to get better every day, be happy, healthy, wealthy. And uh, that's you're going to definitely be a, a huge part of that. And so I would just say, go check it out, you guys. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, go check it out. Go put it in ears. I've listened a little bit. I'm going to listen more because um, you want to thank you, JM, for being here. Like, you know, the uh, it's like a boost of energy, you know, talking with you. It's mid-afternoon. If I had any sort of 
mid-afternoon, post-lunch, should I have a cup of coffee sluggishness, um, you got me out of that. So um, thank you for you know sharing your 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 story, your thoughts, your insights, even you know some of the mistakes and and more importantly how we bounce back. So uh, J.M. Ryerson, um, the book, the, the the most recent book again, Upgrade: The Only Way Leaders Can Win in a World Moving at Light Speed. Thank you, thank you so much. This has been fun. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you. Well, thanks again to JM for being our guest today. To learn more about him and all everything he does, look for links in the show notes or go to markgraven.com slash mistake246. As always, I want to thank you for listening. I hope this podcast inspires you to reflect on your own mistakes, how you can learn from them or turn them into a positive. I've had listeners tell me they started being more open and honest about mistakes in their work. And they're trying to create a workplace culture where it's safe to speak up about problems because that leads to more improvement and better business results. If you have feedback or a story to share, you can email me, myfavoritemistakepodcast at gmail.com. And again, our website is myfavoritemistakepodcast.com.